when you're going to eat someplace, of course you're going for the food, number one. But number two, if you're paying those prices, at that point it's for the ambiance. So as to close the original point, you're not paying $35 to go get some great food that you might get, you know, you might get shot. Alright guys, welcome back to the CXOJ podcast. We got the signature sign in the background, courtesy of Chloe Diz. What up, Chloe? What's up? Happy Tuesday. It's a Tuesday, y'all. <laughs> What's up? How's your week going, Josh? Chloe, we're, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. These people want to hear what we got to say about these here videos. Oh, we not here for pleasantries? Bruh, I'm an Aquarian. I'm an introvert. Josh ain't got time for no pleasantries. You even lucky that I showed up to this fake it. Matter of fact, nah, I'm, I'm not going to go Kanye on y'all. I'm not going to go full yay on y'all. But, Chloe, if you want to do the pleasantries, by all means, warm up the people. Tickle their belly. Hello, people. Beautiful people. Welcome to the Chloe XO Josh experience. <laughs> It's real. It's happening in real time. So today we have some topics we're going to give our reaction to. And we want you to know your thoughts about it. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Um, is there something we forgot to say? <laughs> or did we hit every single point y'all were thinking? So without further, further, is it further ado or further to do? Further ado. Without further ado, let's start with our first topic, which and, is. And our topics today are going to be one is going to be a relationship of course and we're going to save that for last but the first one we're going to do is going to involve entrepreneurship commerce the economy specifically in the black community because we don't think it gets talked about enough and sometimes we do forget of our own power economically so i thought that was an appropriate topic to discuss and try to build some different uh, different mindsets when it comes to living, right? Especially in our community. So here we go. This response here is something I said about black power and black influence, okay? I'm going to give you one simple example how powerful the black community in America is. Just retail spending power. That coin, that money is power. Now look at this. Right here on top of Google, the African-American population, yes, historically held an extremely powerful position in the retail marketplace, retail marketplace, excuse me. Look at this. You guys, the black community, known to drive trends across food, beauty, media, and more. Okay, this is just one aspect of black power. Look at this. The reach, projected reach by 2024 is 1.8 trillion that's a t y'all trillion dollars 1.8 trillion dollars part of this thread here i stated that blacks in america yes african-americans they can create or destroy any company in the united states of america if they wanted to if they acted collectively 1.8 trillion dollars is no freaking joke do you agree Do we agree? Bruh, after, after hearing that, I feel like saying Wakanda forever. First of Let's all, go. I, I, you know, when you sent me this video, I was just like, my first reaction was, duh. Like, what? does it take somebody from a different ethnicity to tell us how much we spend? No, because we know how much we spend. I.e. boycotting <laughs> back in the civil rights movement. We know the power of our dollar. Like, I don't, I don't, this wasn't, some, this is not something that I was just so shocked about. Like, oh my goodness, the black community spends all their money. Duh. Like, is this something I surprised y'all how much spending power we have? We're the largest consumers, period. Which is why, in my opinion, there's more woke culture out there, right? In these movies and 
these companies are tapping into that $1.8 trillion, which is why we're seeing a lot more of us on, on film and color, more people of color in film, in the movie industry, in entertainment, especially entertainment. Like, but this is this is not something that's new. Like I, he's saying this as if he discovered water or air or something. Like, bro, duh. <laughs> like, I don't know. That was my first impression. Like, you gonna tell me the sky is blue next? Like, what? Why? What is this piece of information coming from someone who's not in our culture supposed to tell us? Like, I feel like he said the information because he was shocked. But we not shocked. Like, we know the collective power that we have. Just because people don't tell us we have it doesn't mean we don't know we have it. Like, all right, this is a silly, small example. But when things get canceled in our culture, they cancel. When Tommy Hilfiger was canceled, he was canceled. When Crystal was not popping no more, we ain't popping no more Crystal. Yes, sir. So, like... Come on now, this ain't this ain't this ain't news to me. Uh, it's not news to me. Uh, what, how, what do you think, Josh? Well, I don't think it's the aspect about it being news. I think it's more of the aspect that people are aware of it, and yet we're not using that to our advantage. That that's the shocking part, right? So, and I think that's a great point that you brought up because first thing I did think about is like, wow, it takes someone from a different ethnicity to let us know how powerful we are. But to your point, if he's shocked from that information, I'm sure he's more shocked the fact that we have all these dollars circulating in the economy <laughs> and then we're not using that leverage because whenever, whenever an ethnicity makes it big in America specifically, they use their financial muscle, their economic muscle. And unfortunately, all of our muscles go into putting dollars into other people's pockets. So this is why when we talk about things like entrepreneurship, support your local entrepreneur. Don't ask for the hookup. Don't ask for the discount. Pay full price. You know, th this. these are one of the reasons why. But I think... <laughs> It will take things like, and again, I'm I'm going to straight up say it. I think it's going to take brands to be black owned, but not advertise that they're black owned in order to succeed first. And then once, once you already love the product or the service, and then you find out it's black owned and it's going to be like, oh, I'm fully invested now. See, I have mixed feelings about this. And I'm going to say, I think that your strategy is valid. Like, oh, we need to pretend like things are black owned. We need to appropriate our own self, right? Because the thing about it is we actually love black owned stuff. And the thing about it is, I don't know why he acting shocked because that's their whole business model. People from his ethnicity to come over here in our neighborhoods and, 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 create products that we buy for instance beauty supply stores right um nail salons um they figured out what our largest consu co consumer spend is in and they create products that we have to buy from them there are companies that are asian owned who use black people on their products packaging to make it seem like it's black owned so i don't even think it's about them thinking that oh you know we need to pretend to be something else and then we'll buy it I think it's more or less we need to learn how to leverage ourselves and I think that this is a movement that's been happening recently on one hand right but then on the other hand I was just talking to my girlfriend about this the other day is that just because you're black owned doesn't mean that you should be able to take advantage of how can I say this in the in the in the best PC way? So y'all ever been to somebody and you want to support them because they black owned, and then they just do the things that you that that are stereotypical to people who <laughs> companies that are black owned companies, and then it makes you upset. It makes you even more upset. What uh, what type of things? So you talk about you know uh, timeliness. Are you talking about running out of inventory, things like that? I'm talking about all of the above. I'm just going to label some things. So this is just a constructive criticism for us, right? That we need to be conscientious of, and we need to do like 3000% more than what we're doing just so that we can be accepted by our own. Because I hate 
when I go out of my way to support a black owned business and then I'm given subpar, subpar experience. And that includes the pricing. I understand that sometimes sourcing is going to be more expensive because of our lack of connections with resources. I get that aspect, right? But if that's the case, then you need to make up in other areas. So like if I'm going to go support you for a dinner per se, right? I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day and I want to support your black owned business. Why am I paying for um, tap water at the table? Why? Why am I doing that? Like, because you're black owned, you want to say, oh, well, y'all need to support us. I'm going to charge $40 for a chicken dinner plate Well, with ag- one side. Well, again, that's a fantastic point. But I think <laughs> elements like that, and, and that is a great point. I think elements like that come from being naive about things like margins in business. Because typically our black owned businesses come from the heart. We want to do something great in the community. It's, it's an emotional base. However, business is not emotional. So when I think about, again, our, our, our dope boys and how it's all about business, we need to apply that work ethic mm-hmm. to legal business and we'll take over. I, I, I say this all the time. Imagine mm-hmm. the dope boy work ethic working from sunrise until 5 a.m. in the morning. But you apply that to Wall Street. How much money would we we be raking up and caking up that way? You know what I mean? So that's and I understand your point and I understand your frustration. I think that just comes from a a legitimate lack of knowledge and I, I guess thus ignorance when it comes to business concepts like margins. So unless you go to school and you figure out these things or you have a a successful business owner who shows you the ropes. Cause sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't pay it forward. Sometimes a business owner mm-hmm. will keep all the gems and the jewels for themselves mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, you got to do it like me. I, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I'm gonna give you some tough love so you can figure it out as opposed to, you know, mentoring. And to your point, these past, I would say decade, we've seen a lot more mentoring in our community, but I feel like we need infinitely more. But my bad for interrupting. Keep going, Claude. I agree wholeheartedly. And don't get me wrong. I support black business any chance I get. I am from the school of thought of, like, sis, you're not going to become a millionaire selling $20 dishes. Like, I feel like people think, and, and this is a, a plague in our community, as far as I'm concerned, it's like, oh, be an entrepreneur, you're going to be a millionaire. Not every entrepreneur is going to be a millionaire. It's a million piece of parlors in your town. They not millionaires. They're just working a job like everybody else. And then I feel like in our in our in our community, we have glamorized this lifestyle of entrepreneurship. And everybody got to understand every entrepreneur is not going to be a millionaire. You, you, some of y'all might be thousandaires. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's, it's still a come up. It's nothing wrong with that because then we at least get to control the narrative of where our money goes, right? So I feel like instead of people, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, and it's something I learned, and not just from business school, went to business school, whatever, common sense, you, you supply a need. I mean, you supply an answer to a need in your community, That's the whole point of entrepreneurship. The point of entrepreneurship is not to be a millionaire. The point of entrepreneurship is to solve a problem. Amen. So if you're going into it with this selfish mentality instead of, and this is a person who doesn't own a business, all right? I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. I study business professionally in a school setting, whatever. And I have some type of, I've run a couple of, you know, businesses here and there, but I have not fully committed to that lifestyle. Cool. I got. I, I dabbed a little bit, so I'm. I'm no expert by any means. But all the research I've done, all the an- anecdotes that I've spoken to from business owners, is that they are supplying a answer to a need, a solution to a problem. So you're not gonna be su- being no solution and no problem when you're in your neighborhood and you know that the average person makes fourteen dollars an hour and you out here selling fish dinners for thirty five dollars. You're not you're not going to fulfill a need like nobody's going to come into your neighborhood that you might get shot 
and pay $35 for a meal. They might do that one time, but they're not going to come back for some more service because you're not supplying a, a solution to a problem. And my thought about it is we do need to buy back the block. And the problem is, and, and what history has shown is when we buy back the block, they burn it down. But that's okay because we're resilient. You feel me? Like, we're always going to be able to pivot. Now, as to having this amount of spending power, I feel like if more people knew how much spending power we have potentially, then maybe we could create, what is it called? Um, Solidarity? Solidarity is a tricky one because there's so many different nuances, right, that are passed down through generation and generation and outsiders and never understand it. You can analyze it as much as you want, but being in the inside, you still, it's a cultural thing, right? So we got to adapt to what we have and we have to learn how to survive even in disorganization, even in unsolidarity. That is our test of time. And how we can figure out Even with our lack of solidarity We're still able to spend 1.8 trillion dollars So my whole thing is Everything is working against us So that we don't become <laughs> One voice right The system against us But that's okay Because we, we could pivot But I say all of that to say We need to take ownership of Our communities and our families And our neighborhoods, right? It's not about yourself. It's not about I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to be rocking this Gucci, Louis, Fendi, Prada, Christian Louboutin. I'm be driving a BMW and a Bentley and this and that. No, you need to, we need to, not you. We need to take ownership of our communities and teach one. Each one, teach one. Every time you learn something, it's not your job to harbor that information like it's the last piece of information or last drop of water. You need to share that because you only hear for a limited amount of time. And if the information dies with you, it's gone. And for me, I feel like my purpose in life is to learn and to pass on information. And that, honestly, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, that's how you do it. You cannot become a successful entrepreneur alone. You cannot do it. There's not enough hours in a day. There's not enough resources that one person can have. It's all about team work. And I feel like a lot of people who come from overseas and they come here, they're thriving and they got an upper hand because they're, they're humble enough in, in the way that their culture is set up. It's about teamwork. It's not about individuality and solidarity alone. They lean on each other for expertise. They lean on each other for support. And it's hard for us to do because we have we have an ego. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm proud of our ego. But if we don't recognize that we need other people and that we need a team to, to be successful and that it's not just about us singularity, it's about us helping each other. If we can't get over that hump, then we ain't going nowhere. We're going to be where we are now. I mean, we will get there, but it's just going to be a lot slower. In my opinion. Fantastic points. And I, I definitely agree completely, especially the part about, you know, selling the fish dinners for $35. I mean, it, to me, it's just a simple misunderstanding, right? And uh, a lack of knowledge, because when you're going to eat someplace, of course, you're going for the food, number one. But number two, if you're paying those prices at that point is for the ambiance. So as to close the original point, you're not paying $35 to go get some great food that you might get, you know, you might get shot. But not only that, right? They might curse you out. <laughs> they might yell at you. You know what I mean? Like, and then a lot of these times, these dinners, you just take them home. Right. So like. Because there's not enough room to eat in the restaurant. No, nah, you like, I don't care. Like, sis, if you, if you charging $35 a dinner, I'm going to support you. But don't give me. Enough to eat one one plate Like $35 should at least last me Two meals Like I feel Everybody has to make their money right And people have to understand the business That they're getting into What the margins are That's research And people also have to remember the customer experience Now With that being said If you want to charge those prices It needs to be worth it Like I need to know that Okay Maybe you donate a certain amount to, certain, to, to homeless people in the neighborhood. Maybe there's, um, you know, 
you're, you're, you, when I call you and you say 10 minutes, it's actually 10 minutes. It's not an hour. <laughs> Maybe, you know, you have a loyalty program where you buy five dinners, you get one free, like, or 20% off or 50% off. Or maybe it's like, oh, you get a free side if you pay this much. Like, it, it needs to be more of a giving situation than a taking situation. And a lot of people will combat that and say, well, these other people in other places, they do it. Cool, but we're not them. And we have to set our expectations at a level where we're combating the negative stereotypes that people have. My father always told me, when you show up in a space, you have to show up 10 times, if not 100 times better than your counterpart sitting there. You can't say, well, that person's always late. Well, that person never raises his hand. Like, we not them. So we, you have to function as if you are yourself. And, and with your disadvantages, which you know, can turn into advantages, which are advantages if you look at them that way, um, into, into place. Because think about it. Look at all these black brands that are flourishing like Telfer and Brandon Bouchard. Like, they are flourishing. And, and I wanted to just give a shout out to Telfer because he has one of the dopest marketing teams I've ever seen. Like, just from my personal opinion, he having all these types of sales. Like, he had a, a backwards sale the other day. I never even heard of something like that. It was basically, like, you sign up, the drop is at 12 o'clock, and whatever price the item sells at out sells out at is the price it is forever. Never heard of that before. But it's like, that's the ingenuity that we have and the innovation that we have that is not anywhere else. And they can't take that from us. They can't copy it. They can't mimic it. They can, you know, put a black face. Wasn't there an AI thing for Levi? They're going to start using, AI is going to start using a multicultural, sensitive AI person for their model instead of actually paying a person of color. Or what they're also doing, as you said, appropriating, but also if you're going to hire these people, for these innovative ideas, you're still going to execute them for the brand that's already established of a different persuasion. Exactly. And, and it's just that simple. So when black people are making black businesses and are able to hire black people, then you're keeping that ingenuity, that creativity within the culture, which can only lead to great things, fantastic mm -hmm. things, Tulsa level things. You can't, you can't copy woke. Like you can you can steal our recipe all you want, but it's it's still gonna be Uncle Nearest and it ain't gonna be Jack Daniels. Okay. That that that's fine. It's cool. But y'all can't you can't be you can't you can't steal somebody's idea and execute it as if you as if it was them because each person has their own perspective. That they've gained through their life experience, and you can mimic you can mimic it all you want, but it ain't going to taste the same. It's not going to feel the same. It's not going to smell the same. It's not going to taste the same. So with that, knowing that we have this spending power, we have the ingenuity, we have the innovation, we can do it. It's just a matter of mentorship, and that's where. It takes personal responsibility to give back to your communities. Like, like, that's one thing that I really, really, really don't follow these celebrities and stuff because it doesn't hit home for me unless it's somebody like J. Cole or like Chance the Rapper or people who are publicly giving back to their community. Those are the people that matter to me. Because, like I said, there can only be one Oprah. But... It could be more than one Oprah if, you know, Oprah decides to do certain things. And I don't know what Oprah does. I'm sure she does her thing, her philanthropy and stuff. But that's just an example. I'm just throwing out a name. Nobody, all the Oprah people don't shoot me down. But um, each one's each one. That's all I got. Now, Chloe, keeping with this topic, mm -hmm. let me ask you a question. Because I know some people in our community, and rightfully so, rightfully or wrongfully, I don't, you know, I I'm not going to get upset because it's all about opinion at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Some people have an issue with building up black businesses only to sell them out. How do you feel about that? Depends on what you're selling it out for. Like boatloads of money. Chloe. <laughs> well, what you going to do with the money? 
amass wealth. Also, um, I think that people have the right to do with their money, whatever they want to do with their money. Like, I'm not going to hear sit here and police anybody's money. Like, whatever you want to do with your money. If you amass a business and that's what you decided to do and then you decide to sell it out, I think that with that decision, you should know the consequences that come with it, right? You should you should be aware that, okay, you built this, you amassed this fortune, you built this business, you built brand loyalty, and you disappointed the black community as far as your um, your product is concerned, right? You've taken, you have taken something out of the the ether <laughs> that people can buy that's black owned. You did that. So you need to understand the weight of that decision before you make it. But you, everybody here can do whatever they want with their money. Like, is do would I do that? I don't know. Depends on how much money. Like, if I were to sell a business and say, well, I sold this business and now I'm going to tell all black people don't buy it no more. We're going to buy this now. <laughs> What's wrong with that? No, nah, you can't do that. <laughs> Why not? Like yeah. Jay Z did that with Crystal, but he didn't own it. Well, imagine I own. Imagine I own the business. It's a whatever widget, black owned widget, and now I say, "Hey y'all, this widget played out. We no longer like this widget. Nobody buys this widget any longer. Now we're gonna buy this new widget that's mm, a fraction of the price. No, and." Why are you saying that? No? Respectfully, no, that's not how that works, Chloe. Typically, if you're going to sell that asset, right, mm -hmm. and liquidate, that means you're not going to go into the business again. Why not? Because there's no reason to sell it if you're just going to continue doing the same business. All right, that's fair. I that, mean, that's, that's number one. Okay. <laughs> number two, the asking price that you'll receive, and rightfully so, for the value of that asset. Is only going to diminish. Is going to diminish if you tell the customer base not to buy it anymore. Well, if it's not mine anymore, they don't, they don't need to buy yeah, it. Yeah, that you, again, you can't do things like that. Okay, I have another question then. Okay. So if I were to do it, I mean, people would say this is similar. This is akin to selling your soul, right? Yeah, I think that people would say that. Now, if I owned a, a product that's black owned, obviously because I'm black. And I amassed such a wealth that I knew that once it was purchased from me, it would only get bigger. I would have to keep some type of stake in that product. That's fair. That makes sense. Like, I couldn't sell the whole thing. But I'm definitely going to sell a portion. Maybe I'll lease it to somebody. But there has to be some type of... Um, like I said, we can't... You can only get so big... Sorry. So my question is, what's your question? Going back to the point I made about it doesn't necessarily matter if it's black owned or not. That that should be like secondary because the problem you solve is so fantastic and you're solving it at such a high level. It really doesn't matter. It sells itself. So, mm -hmm. for example, let's just say hypothetically, if Essentia, great water brand, alkaline water, allegedly, right? Mm -hmm. If Essentia was black owned wouldn't really matter. People would still buy it anyway type of thing. So if someone who was black and owned Essentia wanted to sell it, to me, it shouldn't really, to me, it shouldn't matter. Well, it depends on how you amass your wealth. Now, if you amass your wealth saying Essentia is a black-owned property, like BET, this is for black people by black people or FUBU or something. Like, if you amass your wealth on on the promise and hope that this is a black company. On the backs of others. On the backs of blacks. <laughs> mm. Then yes, you should not sell out unless it's to a, a black venture capitalist or yes. black business. Yes. Correct. But if you just created Joe Schmo's uh, Essentia, nobody knows that it's a black owner. You just happen to be a black owner. And I think I think a, a good example of that would be Uncle Nearest. Okay. Like they didn't build their brand from what I know. On their marketing and stuff from when they first came out, it wasn't like, oh, this is a black owned brand. But what they've done is they are a black owned brand and then they do celebrate diversity and they do celebrate the um, the fact that they're black owned. So I think that's a different perspective. But if you're a person like 
oh, this I'm a black-owned company. Y'all black people, I made this for y'all. Like hair products for black women. I would be pissed if a black hair company sold out to like an Asian company or something or a European company. Because number one, the formula going to change. Oh, I have I have an example. So on it, oh no, what is it called? Uh, Honey Pot is a black owned organic um, woman feminine product company, right? So at some point, she had to expand her 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 business, and she I'm not sure who her investors are. Don't don't get me to lying, but long story short, she had to sell to she had to get help from some type of investors. And because of this help, and because she's mass producing it now, distribution, yes. distribution, the actual product changed, and her clients or her consumers were upset. Were you upset, Claude? Of course, I was upset. I was so upset, and she was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I didn't mean to do this because she never made an announcement. People on TikTok or Twitter or. Instagram found out that the ingredient list was now more than just things that we can pronounce. And her rebuttal was, hey, distribution issues. I had to add this extra ingredient. It's really the same thing, but the name's different. Whatever. I don't trust that. So what I do is I only purchase her products from secondhand um, distributors like TJ Maxx or Marshalls because... The one in Target is not the same product that I grew to love. And TJ Maxx and Home Goods and not Home Goods, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and sometimes Burlington and get the original recipe for that for those products. So I once I once I can't find the, her products anymore at those stores, those retailers, I'm not buying it. Because I'm concerned with my health. So she built her product off of organic materials, off of natural ingredients. And so when she sold her company or helped with distribution, that now changed the fabric of her, her, her audience. You can't have this vegan hippie audience, health conscious audience, and then add some ingredients on the package. Like you can't do that. You was better off putting the price up and keeping it how it was, in my opinion, because I would have paid more for the original but now I'm actually paying less for the original. So it kind of works out for me either way. And so there's no more. Okay. That's a fair point. I completely understand that. And I think one of the main hurdles, pun absolutely intended for our people, right? One of the main hurdles that we face in entrepreneurship is scalability, right? Mm -hmm. Going from the mom and pop to, to the Walmart. And typically in order to do that, you're going to have to, get outside investors and typically those outside investors simply don't look like us and perhaps there's not enough of us in that sector to go around Mm -hmm. so when because at the end of the day entrepreneurship is really hard guys Mm -hmm. i mean incredibly hard not so hard that you shouldn't try if you have a, a passion and an idea right but to grow and to scale is exceptionally hard number one number two Sometimes if it's a, a lifelong business, eventually you just want to to sell, sell it out because you don't have the energy to keep it going. Perhaps you have some relatives or some some children, some heirs who simply don't want to take over the throne. Mm-hmm. So you really have no choice but to sell out and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Mm-hmm. So in that aspect, I, I really do understand I'm empathetic to that because it's not as easy as oh i can just sell it to someone black and they can continue it right so it's 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 very difficult because if we're looking at people of other races and cultures and ethnicities they cash out all the time Mm -hmm. right or they take their you know they take their company public and things like that but again in order to do that you do they take capital from other people, other entities, other venture capitalist groups, regardless of their ethnicity. So to my, I feel like sometimes you're going to have to, you're going to have to dabble in a little bit of both at times until, you know, there's more and more entrepreneurs and let's say 
high net worth individuals in the black community who can invest and be venture capitalists, kind of like how, you know, NBA players like Kevin Durant was and RIP Kobe before he died was getting into venture capitalism. And those are the type of things you need to do, because at the end of the day, if you want to get better at something, we need to learn from the people who are already doing it so we can do it ourselves and teach other people to do it. And perhaps add our ingenuity, perhaps remix it, perhaps take our knowledge of what's happening in our community, similar to how President Obama did understanding what people are going through before he was making major decisions. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're able to help people where they're, where they're experiencing the most problems, where, where the most problems that our community is facing, as I said before, is typically scalability because we're usually exchanging time for money and that you can't scale that way. So sometimes you will have to take those risks and accept, you know, accept investment from other people in order to grow. That, that is part of the business process. And, and I agree with you completely. And you, you hit something spot on about having to make that sacrifice, right? So it's like once you hit a certain level, because there's not an abundance of people who are in our culture who are at that level, you have to make some concessions. You're going to have to. Like I look at Tabitha. I'm so proud of her. Like she's an example of somebody who just – started from the bottom and now she here like she has her products up in walmart and sam's club and for me i feel like when you have other people's money you gotta do what the other people tell you to do which nece- which is not necessarily authentic to yourself and is not authentic to the culture it's what's the most productive because business is a business at the end of the day First thing they told me in business school is you businesses don't have feelings and they don't have a soul. They don't have a heart. They pretend to have these things to collect money in the following, but they don't have them. They're they, an entity they, without feelings. They're an entity without a soul. A legal entity that is that can act can act as a person legally, yes. but yes, they <laughs> they do not have a soul. They're not a person. No, yet. they don't have no feelings. That means businesses can do whatever they want. They don't have a conscience. Okay. So what happens is when you have to scale, just like Honeypot, and I appreciate her because she, it takes a couple of people to sacrifice themselves um, for the greater cause, right? So because once enough of us are up there, then we can make the decisions. So it takes you to sacrifice a little bit to get up there or a lot maybe. Sacrifice your products, sacrifice ingredients sacrifice whatever so that you're in these rooms that you can make decisions and then once you amass enough money and profit then you have control look at from we're talking from bottom up economics but from somebody who's already made it look at rihanna right she owns fenty she has what 30 different shades of brown don't quote me um but she makes her products for women of color, people of color, not just women. And she has amassed a fortune doing something else. And now her entrepreneurial spirit told her, hmm, I'm going to go into cosmetics, which is the number one maker of money. And not only cosmetics, but I'm going to make it not just for people who are fair shades, but I'm going to make it geared towards women of color and her clothes and her lingerie. Lingerie is also a very high profit margin um, industry. So she, I appreciate that. Now, when there's enough people doing that, then there's less sacrifice, but there has to be some type of pioneering going on, right? Has to be some type of pioneering. And that's where it comes back to it's bigger than you. So, yeah, you could just sell your company and make a couple million and you your family could chill. But what does that mean for the next people? Because we only here for a set amount of time, y'all. And nobody knows when that time is. So our goal is not to amass a whole bunch of fortune for ourselves because you can't take it when you're gone. Like, our goal is to is to contribute to society, period. And to those who are less fortunate. And in our position, those people look like us in most cases. So why not? And that's where your purpose comes in. But if you out here just to make money, 
And that's your purpose Cool More power to you But You know Things are bigger than us And I think that's That's my main takeaway So like Would I sell my company Probably not Cause I'm a martyr <laughs> I would just martyr myself Like whatever I'll be the first as long as I could go, I, as long as I got enough money to, you know, live comfortably and and go volunteer with my time, then whatever, I'll keep the business. Okay, that's fair, and I, I definitely understand that. But at the same time, we do have to keep in mind that there's different types of businesses. There's different types of brands. There's brands like, as we said before, things like Essentia, where it doesn't really matter to attach that is black owned until after it's already established type of thing. So maybe you really don't have your heart in something like alkaline water, but you saw, you saw, you recognize the need, you recognize the problem and you simply solve the solution. You were entrepreneurial, but your heart's not really in it. It's, it's not, it's not a, it's not part of your path or journey, let's say mm-hmm. to that's not your mission in life. To, to be all about uh, bottled alkaline water. So it's a lot easier to sell that on and then perhaps use that liquidation, that money to invest in other things. Perhaps I think what black people would do great if we have the capital, of course, venture capitalism, but typically if we acquire, if we get into acquisitions, if we acquire a, a company that's dying we add some flavor on it and then resell it the same way that people flip houses, start flipping businesses. One of the best way, best ways, excuse me. One of the best ways to amass generational wealth is to purchase a business that already generates revenue. And then you essentially upgrade that business, make it more efficient, make it leaner, make it have, uh, you know, increase the, the revenue and the profit margins and all these other innovative things. And then after that, you can sell that on and then keep doing that. And then as you're doing that, you can invest in other black companies on the, on the come up, other black startups that are doing fantastic work, give them some seed money, help them achieve their dreams. And then we're bringing up all of our people because mm-hmm. there's, there's more than one way to, you know, to fry fish. You get me? Mm. Facts Alright guys You've been waiting for it The relationship topic Or let's say the dating topic right Here we go Off my soapbox (laughs) And on to another (laughs) It's a paradigm shift when you realize that your partner Isn't inconsiderate they're just not considerate about the things That you value that you think they should be considerate about because it immediately demands that you become curious about all the ways that you're likely not considerate about the things that they value that they think that you should be considerate about, as well as making communication way more fluid and non-judgmental. because now, regardless if the action was beneficial or harmful, it's not a question of inherent right or wrongness, but one of difference. Okay, that was a lot of language in a little bit of time. So exactly 22 seconds. This was tailor-made for Claude. He says so many things. All I heard was love languages. (laughs) Literally. If your partner is some one type of love language and you're another type and you're communicating with them in that type, they're going to be like, this person ain't considerate. They don't care about my feelings. When in reality, they do. They just not. Y'all not speaking the same love language. Hold on. Let's listen to that again. See, you didn't read the book. You didn't read the book. So... You're not seeing love languages. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Y'all gotta read that. It's book. a paradigm shift when you realize that your partner isn't inconsiderate. They're just not considerate about the things that you value that you think that they should be considerate about. Because it immediately demands that you become curious about all the ways that you're likely not considerate about the things that they value that they think that you should be considerate about. As well as making communication way more fluid and non-judgmental. Because now, regardless if the action was beneficial or harmful, it's not a question of inherent right or wrongness, but one of difference. Exactly. So I understand why you add elements of uh, love languages and that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. But when I heard this, since I am sans uh, love languages, right, without that in French, um, essentially it has to do with preferences and what you do actually value, as he said. Right. So, for example, (laughs) I'm talking to the I'm talking to the fellas out there. Right. (laughs) Who didn't read the love language. Typically. No, no. Even for those who did, (laughs) especially for those who did. Okay. Typically, 
And on average, an overwhelming abundance, let's say the majority of the time, ladies will absolutely love babies, right? It doesn't matter whose baby it is. It's your baby. It's your baby. It's your baby. Oh, my gosh. I want to cuddle, kiss, hug the baby. Men never have that reaction. Okay. So that's a difference in value. And so if a girl, if someone's like, oh, if a lady's like, oh, you don't value this the way I do. What's wrong with you? Yeah, like you don't see this baby cute. Look at the baby. And the guys are like. Hey. I'm going to speak for all men when I say, <laughs> unless it is our child or we are related to it. Ain't nobody worried about that baby. Man, babies now that, that's not to say we're not worried about his well-being and his health babies. or anything like that in general but we're talking about there's not there's not that innate desire to to be like oh this is not it's not natural cool that's fair does that mean that you uh, value babies less yes it's not high on your priority list if it's somebody else's baby or a non-related baby, just some random baby. Like me, if I see a random baby walking down the street, I'm going to pick that baby up and say, baby, come with me. You're not safe out here. <laughs> Where's your mom? Where's your dad? Like, I feel like men will just be like, mm, that baby outside. <laughs> Unless they know that baby walking down the street. <laughs> well, as we know, it's, uh, it's kind of unsafe for men these days well, so even yeah. even being the good samaritan can get you in some <laughs> sticky issues so you gotta call a woman and be like yo that's your baby walking down the street or not <laughs> so that's what i heard when i when i heard that i heard Main. the difference in preferences and values and of course that can be applied <laughs> to love languages yes however that also can be applied to just life and preferences anyway well, that's what the love language. I can't wait till we read this book and dissect it together because you're gonna be like, "Hmm, interesting." You're gonna be like, "This makes sense." Again, I already got the Spark Notes version. You don't need the Spark I Notes. I seen, I seen all the the YouTube you need, videos about no, it, breaking YouTube, it down. No, you gotta, you have to actually take the quiz, and you gotta. And I again, I took all the quizzes and stuff, and I still think it's a bunch of nonsense. It's not a bunch of nonsense. And for me, it's a, it's necessary. <laughs> For those who cannot articulate how they feel, who cannot compartmentalize, as mm -hmm. my man was saying, how someone can value something that you that you don't value. You know what that's called? Communication. It's not just called communication. You know what other word resonated with me? Self action. Self being self aware. Nope. Yes. Nope. You know a word? You ready? Empathy. People are not empathetic. People do not put themselves in other people's shoes. They do not idealize what the other person is feeling. And which is why the love language book is so eye-opening to a lot of people because it helps them step outside of themselves. It helps them do some self-reflection and it also helps them identify another person's perspective, which is empathy. Which is fantastic. Yes. But, but as we all know... <laughs> Josh is excellent. He is a wizard when it comes to empathy. Is that so? Being an Aquarian, oh. being an introvert, oh. and just simply being me, hmm. I would I would wager that my level of empathy and understanding from mm -hmm. simply observing people mm -hmm. and putting myself in their shoes legitimately, right? Mm -hmm. It solves all those issues. And to your point, most people don't do that which is why they need the book to do that because they are oblivious to other people's needs. Exactly. Cause I don't be looking at everybody else's needs, which is why <laughs> you need to be reading the book. You know, whose needs I pay attention to people that I focus on. Those are the people that I care about. If you're a person and you're sad, I probably won't even notice if you're not a person I'm focused on. You could just be in a room in a corner sad and I could just be over here having fun. But it's not intentional. It's just you're not in my ether. You're not in my, you know, you're just background music. I'm the, I'm the main character. Which is why <laughs> that level of empathy and, as you said, the self-awareness <laughs> to be aware of what other people are feeling. This is why the expression wait, exists. Wait, 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 you wait. need to read wait, the room. Wait, 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 wait. So are you a person? And I know you. So I, I know the answer to this. But for the audience. 
this is why we work so well together because it's in my opinion he is my you've helped me in my deficits right and I help him in his deficits so one of my deficits is acknowledging everybody in the room <laughs> I don't notice everybody in the room like I notice key key factors key players in the room but Josh is an observant person I'm only observant to things that I intentionally are observant to. Other than that, I'm just in my zone. Like it's in my world and I'm just in it. And, I, and my goal is to make sure everyone's having fun if that's my goal. But not everybody in the place, just the people that I intend to have fun, they're going to have fun. Now, Josh, this beautiful man over here, <laughs> he'll notice if like, some random person's not having fun. I'm like, mm, that person look awkward. They don't even want to be here. I would never, that's not even on my radar. Because I'm very micro and you're very macro. I feel like some people fall into the category of very like, I'm very um, sh- mm, short, not short-sighted, but like I have a, a very particular focus. My focus on the bigger picture, I'll figure that out. I'm focused on the smaller picture. Like, um, with certain things, right? Because you're very, you're very um, particular with details. I'm more like, meh, as long as I know what time to be there, I'll figure it out. He's more like, nope, we're going to be there at this time. This is going to happen at this time. This is going to happen at this time. We have all the documents. Everything's in order. I'm just like, eh, as long as I show up there and I'm safe and we're healthy, we'll be fine. <laughs> but as far as, like, social atmospheres, you're more big picture person. I'm more small picture person. And besides all the things uh, that all those things that I named, like being an Aquarian and being an introvert and being observant, right? A lot of that comes from sports for me. So for some people, sports is just a form of entertainment. But if you're actively participating in sports for a prolonged period of time, for me, it was at least, what, two decades. Mm -hmm. When you're a part of a team, then you're a part of a collective. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a car. If you have one tire that's that's flat, <laughs> that car ain't going nowhere. Ain't going nowhere. Trust me, I had a flat tire the other day. <laughs> if you have nowhere. one, if if you have one window that doesn't go all the way up, <laughs> and it's winter time, it's gonna be cold up in there. <laughs> so essentially, what one of the things that I feel like I do extremely well is being able to identify those who need, let's say, an, an extra boost. Those mm-hmm. who need to be seen and heard that typically aren't seen and heard, mm. which is why I, if anything, this confirms for me that I need to write the book that surpasses love languages and this takes it to a different level. Perhaps mm-hmm. I'll, perhaps I'll do that. The black version. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would definitely say the black version, but like, listen, so. I say this to say, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses, right? And this is just an aside. This is just a soliloquy. But you have your strength and your weakness. And it's it's okay. Like, nobody's 100% at anything. And it's okay to know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Because then you can lean on other people for help. Like, we are not an island. We're social beings. So you need to understand what your strengths are so that you can complement those who aren't that's strong in that um it's not a a, a, it's not about being right or wrong in my opinion or being better or worse it's just about understanding your contribution (laughs) and like if your contribution is to be a social butterfly in the room be that a thousand percent if your contribution is to be an observer be that a thousand percent because every player plays a part in the whole composition of life (laughs) that's all I got that's all I got and own that shit (laughs) own it okay don't try to be something you're not it's good to try to grow right but know yourself and know your role jabroni know your role (laughs) interesting know your role jabroni so as, as per the rock. So out of curiosity, <laughs> with my exceptional skill set for empathy and understanding and observation, why does Josh need to read 
the five love languages book. Because then you will have a broader perspective that you can absorb. So when you're obser- when you're observing people, you can say, "Oh, well, I have this wealth of knowledge in my pocket that is displays that you are exhibiting uh, features of someone who has a love language of X, Y, and Z." And so this will create a more empathetic, extroverted part of me that I haven't explored yet. Boring. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm empathetic. Next. I'm super empathetic, but I'm not empathetic to everybody. Unless I notice. <laughs> game, recognize game, and you looking kind of unfamiliar right now. Listen, unless I notice. Like, if I notice you're having a bad day, my heart bleeds for you, and I will do everything in my power to make you feel better. Fake-ass Mariah Carey. I'm about to start pressing these buttons. Get- You're, you're making the table wobble and you have a uh, a drink listen, on the listen, table. Listen, listen, listen. This is my favorite this is my favorite button. No, Let me press it. Let me no. press it. Let me press it. No. Please. No. Will you press it for me? No. I need the same time. <laughs> That's not the right button. That's my favorite button. Which is why come on, come on, which come is come why on. you're not pressing on, the buttons. Because you're not on. pressing them at the come appropriate on, come time. Come on, come on. It's my favorite button. See, I just this this press is it. the appropriate button. Listen, y'all, I have like, I have a thing with buttons, and Josh won't let me press any of them, but I want to press all of them. All buttons. You are so dumb. (laughs) When I get into a car, this is a a little back of tidbit. And Josh, I don't know if you noticed this, but when I get into a car, I have to press every, like a brand new car, like say I'm test driving a car or like I get a rental car. I need to press every button because I need to see what it does. Like, if you leave me in a room with a button that says do not press, I probably won't press it. But if you leave me in a room with a button that does not say do not press, I'm pressing that button. You people are so petty. (laughs) I'm I'm pressing all the buttons because I like to press buttons. Physical buttons, not emotional ones. Just depends on if I'm in troll mode, but... Anyway, as I regress, what's our next topic? <laughs> Since it was such a <laughs> popular topic in our comments today, shout out to Tony Stark Jr., Holtz, and Big Mike. Okay, love you guys. They are watching our premiere, so I appreciate Cheers. y'all. Cheers, governor. They were very adamant about uh, the five love languages, so I just... Just now, in the moment, I found a video. Let's uh, see what it has to say. See if it'll get me interested in reading that nonsense. (laughs) And shout out to Gary. I know he's a a great author and all that. But I don't mean to call your work nonsense. I just think about the concept. You really just need more empathy. And then that'll solve a lot of the issues. Empathy, understanding, and being observant. Mm -hmm. It's a workbook. Five Love Languages Explained. Here are the five ways couples express love. One, words of affirmation. If this is your love language, you like words of encouragement, cute texts, and compliments. Mm-hmm. That's me. Two, quality time. <laughs> Someone with this love language wants your time and attention. That's me too. Three, physical touch. If this is your love language, you like to cuddle, hold hands, and feel your partner. That's me too. Four, acts of service. Are you acts of service? You mm-hmm. like your partner to do nice things like put gas in the car or mm. run errands with you. That sounds wonderful. Five, receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. If this is your love language, <laughs> yes, you like gifts, but it's the thoughtfulness of your partner that really counts. Yes. Don't forget to subscribe. Like- I like all of things. I'm a love language lover. Like, I am all the love languages. But according to the book, what was it, Gary Chapman? I believe so. According to Brother Chapman, uh, apparently a person is only one or two. And you are obviously all five. See, I think that's your misconception. No, no, no. That's that's how I was told from people like Big Mike. Shout out to Brother Professor Israel. (laughs) One or two, typically. Not more than two, typically. There's a scale. 
There's not saying you are one and you're not the others. There's just the scale of importance. So your priority. So if you were to prioritize all of them, which one would come first and which one would come last? And which is why I said this on Poetic Charm. We had a we had a show about this. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about you're going to want each one in different moments in life because that's life. If it's mm-hmm. your birthday, of course, you want gifts. Hello, if it's Christmas time, you want gifts. If it's Christmas time and you give me words of affirmation, I don't want that. What if it's a Tuesday? I want gifts too on a Tuesday. The only gifts you get in is via text. You dig? <laughs> we'll see about that. I'll give you guys an update. <laughs> and you get plenty of gifts. I know I get plenty Just from being in Josh's presence. Whatever. He buys me stuff. Josh did. Josh did. You buy me stuff, but still. Maybe she just doesn't appreciate it. My love language is all of them. So it's just doing all of them all the time. <laughs> love language overload. Yo, but like, honestly, you have to know your partner's love language. So maybe not everybody's love language is everything. Some people don't like to be touched. So that wouldn't be their love language. So then you would then you fall into the category. That would be the least thing your priority list. Right. But as I said on a new barbershop podcast, shout out to Fresh Banks. You just celebrated a birthday. Fresh shout birthday. out, Banks. <laughs> and with Big Mike, and shout out to Jazzo, of course, and everyone at the new barbershop. <laughs> if we're talking about love languages, and, you know, if you want to be, what's it called? The uh, touch? Mm-hmm. Physical touch. Physical touch. Josh wants to be physically touched in a certain situation. <laughs> And all, that's it. All situations. No. Clingy? No. No, 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 no. Touch. Okay, Amarion, get out of here. Come <laughs> on and let it touch. But yes, I just think it's part of the human experience, which is why the book is so successful, because at any given time, we're all going to identify with each of the five love languages. It was hard for me to read because I was just like, I'm all of these. I don't think any of them is more important or less important than the others. And I'm sure y'all are out there, too, feeling the same way. And typically, I will say, just from my own anecdotal observations, typically people who don't like gifts usually get pretty bad gifts, which is why they don't like gifts in general. Or they have bad experiences in their childhood where they didn't get any gifts. <laughs> that's that's typically what happens. And you see that level of empathy and understanding. So there's a way that you might be able to get them to enjoy gifts if you actually are a great gift giver, as I am. Because you want, you want to give them something that they would want, love, and appreciate, but they would also need and be useful and efficient and applicable. So you gotta, you gotta strike that balance. I think maybe because I'm an only child, I like all the love languages. Because I got all of them. And you too. Except for touch. He put touch at his last. Well, it depends on touch. Well. <laughs> You're not. A, I mean, you, you do PDA. Like I said, it's not really my thing. <laughs> You do it because I love it. You're so empathetic, baby. Well, obviously, it started with Mama Bear. Shout out to Mama Bear. Obviously, she loves hugs and kisses. So does my grandmother. Shout out to my grandmother. You know. But my dad's more of a an act of service or gift type of person. See? So you know people's... So what would you think I am? Out of how you know me, what, what would you think? All of them. What's the most? What's the most? Chloe, you are all of them. You are you are above average in all of them. <laughs> There's no like, oh, you're twenty percent this and twenty percent. No, 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 no. You are you are you are. Even though this is mathematically impossible, <laughs> you are sixty percent all of them. Okay, so I did a general assessment of myself. Is accurate, right? Absolutely. Only childish. But what do you guys think? <laughs> what do you guys think about the love languages? And what are your love languages? Also, what do you guys think about the topic we talked about first? Entrepreneurship in the black community, mm-hmm. things like that, and our in our economic power. Because legitimately, 1.8 trillion is going to be between 1.8 trillion and 4 trillion. And, and this is worldwide. 
those are Wakanda like figures. So think about that. What what do you think we can do with that type of economic power going forward? I'd love to hear what you guys think. And also let us know what you think about the I guess the second topic slash, <laughs> you know, the people not valuing the same thing the same way. Even though Chloe kind of segue that to love languages, of course. Love. <laughs> But our thanks, guys. Thank you for rocking with us. Thank you for joining us on episode eight of CXOJ Podcast. And we'll see you soon. Peace. Peace.